We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, we got a couple of bits of Lakers news, and that's always exciting this time of year. Uh, first, Powell's jersey going up in the Raptors in March of this coming season. We're going to do a whole pod and probably a couple of pods on Powell uh, down the line, but just wanted to acknowledge that and congratulate Powell. Um, really excited to, for for that night. But the big news of the day was LeBron James uh, reportedly agreed to an extension with the Lakers that effectively puts him with the Lakers one more guaranteed year. So not just this upcoming season, but the one after that with a player option for the following year, the 24-25 season. And then also a 15% trade kicker is, is part of that as well. This is amazing news. I know it, it can be easy to be like, ah, oh, yeah, we we have LeBron. We figured that we'd that he would come back, but it's worth celebrating. Despite his age and how far he is into his career, he was still a superstar this past season. And I still believe he can be the best player on a championship team. And that is so foundational to kind of how we do things and what we value. Uh, Jeannie Buss has some quotes about keeping LeBron happy is the most important thing to her. And I think that on the heels D of such a bad season and with the Russell Westbrook situation still up in the air, it says a lot that LeBron says, despite all that, despite a certain level of uncertainty, I want to stay and I want to keep growing my roots here. So what are your thoughts on LeBron extending? Super happy to have LeBron back. And I think that there's a certain amount of certainty that the Lakers can now operate under. I was of the mindset that it was going to be a distraction if LeBron did not sign his extension. Now, I definitely see the other side of the argument that he could have waited and that he and the franchise could have continued to deflect this conversation and LeBron could have tried to squash it with like my plans are to be here or whatever sort of coded language that he wanted to use in order to express loyalty to the franchise without actually putting pen to paper. But Mike, 
I would also argue that LeBron's history of changing teams and the fact that he has been one of the more nomadic great players in the league, nomadic in a way where he is one at a very high level at every single play. So it's not like, oh, um, like Shaq played for what, seven teams or six teams? Not necessarily like that, where Shaq did a lot of changing teams near the end of his career. LeBron's typically been a, hey, five years in this place, all right, five years at the next place. That's how his career has gone. So with that sort of history looming looking forward, I think it was important that he actually come to terms and that it wasn't a question over the course of the season, even though I think there are good arguments to be made that he could have waited until the free agency period to sort of see what the landscape looked like and maybe even help the Lakers by maybe taking a bit of a haircut on his salary. Like there are those arguments too. But overall, in the big picture, I'm happy he did it. I'm totally fine with the money. I'm fine with the terms of the deal, everything. Like I'm happy and I'm interested to see where the team goes. But I think it is like Pete said, a day to celebrate. But where are you at? Well, even if even for folks that thought that it was inevitable, and I don't know how many people there were, but they thought, well, yeah, of course, LeBron should stay uh, in L.A. He loves being there. I think he does have faith in the front office and in the bus family to continue to try to win every year, uh, to try and figure out how to get the roster better than it was last year, all of that stuff. Uh, and I, it's still something to to feel very good about. And because the alternative is just so much worse to think about, like you weren't trading LeBron somewhere else, you know, in, in, in getting either value on court or sort of the continued. Um... Yeah. So <laughs> when Riggs isn't allowed to see Pete and Darius, like just happened, you're going to hear, you're going to hear some of that. So you guys should just take that as a compliment. <laughs> I always do. Okay. <laughs> so even if even if there's the thought out there that we'll see where LeBron is in his career, right? In the unprecedented or precedented by nine other players in NBA history, 20th season, and then going into the 21st season, which we believe there's a player option for. It just was there's no argument to be made that to me that the Lakers were better off doing anything other than this. Like this is a set of circumstances that were presented. I'm sure that the conversation was had between Rob and uh, to an extent, I'm not sure how much Jeannie was directly involved uh, and Rich Paul and LeBron and they got in there. And it, it's to me, it was a pretty clear thing what was going to come out of that. And, and especially with LeBron, there's the NBA rules, right? Once you get to a certain age, the contract can't be extended past X amount of years. Right. So everything mm -hmm. was just sort of need to needed to be agreed upon. Uh, but it wasn't to me, some complicated negotiation. And it was something that I think secures his spot here. Uh, and then, you know, what do they do with the rest of the roster? Not just this year, but next year, as uh, you guys have referred to, is important. But this was the first thing. that It was a box that needed to be checked. I expected that it was going to be checked. And, and now that it is, I think it, it just makes sense that you can get to other business. It was certainly a no-brainer from the Lakers' standpoint, 
completely I was less confident about that from LeBron's point of view even if it's just based on kind of how he's approached things in the past we're entering LeBron's fifth season with the Lakers which is crazy in and of itself and not one of them Mike have we gone into the year as oh LeBron's an impending free agent this coming year that was pretty much every year of his experience in Cleveland he structured his contracts specifically to kind of have this we're going to hold your feet over the fire type of mentality and I could see, of course, after the championship season, even after 21, where AD goes down and, you know, we had a good team, but bad injury at the wrong time, all of that. Are you surprised at all, Mike, that we had a bad offseason last year and there isn't any of that? Yeah, we'll see if you can put it together. Like there's a certain amount of faith there that's heartening. Yeah, I think that shows the important difference, though, between the Lakers and between Los Angeles and some other places. And he went back to Cleveland to, I think, to correct something that he could, especially because they had some young talent, but for the fan base. But I don't know Mm -hmm. if LeBron was super thrilled about going back and playing for Dan Gilbert um, Mm -hmm. after everything that had happened. And he he chose to come to Los Angeles and to come to the Lakers for a set of very clear reasons. And I think that none of those reasons changed just because they had an offseason last year where there were some poor decisions made or things just didn't work out. However you want to define, we've spent a lot of time on those things. So I don't think the the reasons that LeBron came to Los Angeles all remain the same, um, and they will be the same for the next two years. And some of the other factors I think that you have to take into account for for LeBron in terms of his legacy, and, and I'm, the last thing I'm doing is speaking for him. I'm just trying to think in terms of a hypothetical does he want to go somewhere else and then and open up the whole like trophy chasing narrative, right? even, even if it's completely cynical and, and, an, and an unfair one and move again and try to evolve into another team and be the guy that's kind of joining on top as opposed to still being the one that's building up. I just saw that as, as less likely, uh, particularly considering what the landscape is of other teams. And so Maybe that's the part that I wasn't giving enough credence to. But but yeah, to me, there is a big difference between LeBron and this team and like the last time that he left somewhere uh, in Cleveland. Also, too, we've talked about this and, and framing this a lot through potential perspectives that LeBron might bring to the table. Another potential perspective is, oh, hey, yeah, look, one of my teammates is Anthony Davis. And no matter where, like... Look around the league and the landscape of the league and whatever your thoughts are on Anthony Davis, um, injury prone or as brittle or whatever negative connotation comes into your mind about him as a player. There's no question of how talented he is and how good he is. And LeBron has the history of winning a championship with him. And so Anthony Davis is a top 10 player. And at his best, he could be a top, you know, five or six player in the entire NBA. And if you look at the landscape of the league, where is LeBron going to go where he has a teammate as good as Anthony Davis right now? Right. And the the likelihood of like nowhere, really. Right. Like he's LeBron's not going to go to Dallas to play with Luka. He's not going to go to Milwaukee to play with Giannis. He's not going to end up wherever Kevin Durant is, right? He's not going to go to Philly and play with Joel Embiid. He's not going to Denver to play with Jokic. Like, these are the other players that are in LeBron's stratosphere as a player, and they're probably the guys who you could credibly rank 
with or above Anthony Davis in any conversation about where AD is as a player in this league. And so that, to me, that also, Pete, would have to figure into the calculus for LeBron's decision-making is I have a partner in AD who is also in some ways a business partner. They are both represented Mm -hmm. by Clutch Sports. They have a long-tenured friendship that goes beyond just their playing days. And, And so, like, that's what it is. To me, too. It's just like, okay, I've hitched my wagon to AD, and in a way, their contracts line up as well. That's what I was going to say. So there is that connection there, too. Yeah, that idea of them both expiring after not this coming season, but the one after that, I think provides a certain amount of clarity for everybody involved that there is – we're going to be together for the next two years. We've got these two years to get back to where we want to go. And then after that, we'll see. But it's kind of a clean, it lines up in a certain way now that it didn't before that I think is beneficial for all parties involved, Lakers and everyone else. Yeah. So that line of demarcation, Mike, I think that that's an important factor too, that Pete just brought up is LeBron and AD can both opt out of their contracts after the 2024 season. And at that point, the idea of what does the team look like and do we want to stay? Do we want to leave? Do we want to take less money potentially to sign another superstar player? Like whatever the landscape is at that time, it gives them a window of time in order to compete now and then make decisions collectively, potentially, or separately, potentially, at that time in order to figure out what's best for everyone involved. And the Lakers can do that from their side as well. And so that's why I'm sort of like, I'm fine. And I'm happy that this is the way that it's played out. You know, the only way to me where I could see LeBron or somebody of LeBron's stature wanting to leave this type of a situation is if there were just no chance to win. And, you know, the team were going to struggle clearly. And mm-hmm. there were some mistakes made, but they but within these two years right, that he signed, the Lakers do have a chance to win. Now, they have to make some good moves, and it's certainly not a guarantee, but Uh, Darius, you were hitting on some of these other places around the league and part of that because of what would need to happen if LeBron were going to join those types of teams. Right. With it's just not even logical. So that's that's one part of it is that. So the basketball situation, there is a chance this year and next year, if the Lakers make the right moves that they can win. So so that's banked. And I think that's important. Now, the second thing is. It's not just about like lifestyle for these next two years and in LeBron's kids and being happy here and his family. And but to me, it's also about legacy with Laker fans. And I, LeBron, to me, seems like the kind of guy many, many years from now, like in the way that we just celebrated uh, Bill Russell. Like I, I think LeBron being around the game and being able to to have this run now with the Lakers and and add two more years to that and become more of a even tied deeper to that fan base. I think that's is important. I think that says something where he's got that courtside seat at crypto. And whenever he comes into town, it's a big deal. And this is the guy that stayed. This is not somebody that came for a couple of years, won a championship and then like went and tried to get one somewhere else, which I don't think would be received the same way uh, by fans in that building. And that to me, that just says something even just like in the way that if you're going to go up on the jumbotron at Dodger stadium, you know, that's that makes a difference like that does it just if you want to go to uh to to anywhere in los angeles there's a there is a difference between being a laker uh, and having that tie to the city so 
I'm not, I don't know the degree to which he thought about that, but I think from a Laker fan base perspective, given that the chance to win is there, that that part of it is, is important for the next however many years that LeBron wants to live in LA, which you would think might be a long time. Well, Mike, we started out the pod talking about Pau Gasol, right? And Pau going up into the rafters, his number being announced as going to be retired. Well, Pau was a guy where Pau was traded. Remember, he was in he was in the trade that was supposed to bring the Lakers Chris Paul. That trade fell apart. And Pau Gasol is however mad that he was or disappointed or whatever. He came back after that. He played hard and he gave the Lakers additional years of service where he brought the same level of enthusiasm and joy to, to the court that you would hope and expect to get from, from Pau Gasol. He left after that and he explored free agency. He played with the Bulls. He played with the Spurs. He even played with the Trail Blazers, right, towards the end of his career. But Pau is a lifetime Laker. And that idea of being welcomed back, Powell will always get that. And one of the reasons why he will always get that is, I think, because of how he responded in the wake of being traded and having to come back. There was a level of like, no, I'm going to understand what it is to be a Laker. And I think part of what you just said there, Mike, is LeBron understanding that, too. I definitely think that's the case. and But I think with LeBron, there's an additional layer to it that... What the point that Mike brought up, I think, really touches on this. So let's take a break when we come back, talk more of LeBron Extending. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
So LeBron's been known as the king since he was a teenager. And I've always thought the Lakers are a kingdom of sorts, right? We are different than any other team. We move a little bit differently than anyone else. It's a uh, a monarchy that is, it's a hereditary monarchy, right? Where ownership of the team is passed down from Dr. Buss to his kids. And that keeping it in the family is something that is really important to us. And so that idea of LeBron has a bit of a, a conqueror's mentality. He's recently became a billionaire. He's someone who's really grown uh, as a businessman. He's grown as a media mogul with with his different outlets that that tell stories. And so the the synergy there between the king and the kingdom is something that is super interesting to me that I think is worth noting and that I think LeBron is aware of along those same lines of what you're talking about, Mike, about not just the ability to come back, but this is, I think, a place to set down roots and grow not just through the end of his career, but even into his uh, his pursuits beyond basketball, beyond his NBA career. And so I'd just love to hear your guys' thoughts on that in particular. We've had a few of those guys, Magic, uh, Kareem to an extent, Kobe, that they had a brand in and of themselves that they they understood how to leverage the Lakers brand to grow their own. Well, I saw this happen firsthand with Kobe, and it was more natural in that sense because Kobe stayed a Laker but mm-hmm. it's almost like after he tore his Achilles, right, and he and he became a little bit of a different player, I think that led that year led to some further introspection about what he wants to do. And the beautiful thing to see, and, and also the devastating thing now is a lot of that had to do with his daughters and with his family, but and also with other pursuits, you know, like like art and like uh producing and all of mm-hmm. these different things that Kobe started to get into. But I think he clearly understood what he could do in Los Angeles and with the connections that he had made throughout his time there. Uh, and, and guess who else did that magic Johnson, right? Like, and who was taught in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. We just had the conversation about the, the two Lakers shows the other day. And it shows some of that, that not that dynamic where Dr. Bus handed some of that off uh, to Matt. Yes. Yes. And this is going to be, this is one of the strongest parts of how we're built, I think, because so long as we keep that mentality and of course, all of the built in advantages of L.A., but these things are in harmony with each other. So long as we have that partnership with the best players mentality, we're always going to be in the mix for the superstars, the best of the best. And those are the guys who win rings in NBA history. And so I just I think that it's wise from the Lakers standpoint to view these guys more as partners rather than, oh, you're the employee working for us for a few years. LeBron is at that level. The guys that you just mentioned, Kobe, Magic, those are face of the league players, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's who the Lakers have tried to partner with over the course of the history of their organization, right? Mm -hmm. Mikan was the face of the league. There's that old famous marquee. I think it was at Madison Square Garden. And it says like George Mikan versus the Knicks or something like that, right? (laughs) Uh Where it's just like, he was the original like one man, like face of the league sort sort of player. And over the Lakers career, they've had Jerry West, who was like the logo, and they had Wilt Chamberlain, and they had Shaquille O'Neal, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson, and Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. And so when you think about, those are face of the league players. There are face of the franchise players, right? Anthony Davis is a face of a franchise. 
shit, man, go back in time. James Worthy, if he would have went to the Hawks instead of Dominique Wilkins, those guys came mm-hmm. out the same season, right? Dominique Wilkins was a face of the franchise. James Worthy could have been a face of the franchise if he would have gone to the Hawks instead. Anthony Davis was a face of the franchise for New Orleans. But when you can be a face of the league sort of guy, those are the guys who the Lakers are just like, oh, like, come to me. Right. Like the like the Dave Chappelle is Rick James meme where he's like, you know, waving them on, like, come on, come into my house and be a part of this. And I think LeBron recognizes that as well, that we talked about this in the wake of LeBron first signing with the team, the exponential amplification of a brand that can happen when you're a a Laker and how LeBron is a brand in and of himself and the Lakers are as well. And there's a history of both sides understanding how that synergy can then bring the best out of each other. But one of the things though, then I want to pivot back to is that works best when you're winning, right? And the reason why we think so fondly of Kobe is because he won five of them things here. And the same, the reason why we think so highly of Magic Johnson and Kareem is because together they won five of those things here, right? It's why Pat Riley is elevated here. It's why Phil Jackson is elevated here. And it's why Pal Gasol is elevated here too, like in his own way, right? And so this is where I kick it back to you guys. I don't think LeBron James signs this extension in the manner that that he did if there wasn't an understanding between him and the front office that they were going to try to improve, that they were going to try to bounce back from last season especially, but even from two seasons ago where they lost in the first round mostly due to injury stuff. And, and so am I off base with that? And do you think that now the Lakers – having more certainty with LeBron that they do get more aggressive in what they can try to do in order to try to build over the course of this upcoming season and the next season where you're basically guaranteed to have LeBron and AD on your roster. I do. I think it gives us more solid ground to operate off of. The big thing for me is the Russ situation. Uh, it can go a number of different ways. And there is a version of it where you just let his contract expire and then you go into free agency next year trying to fill whatever holes you need to. There's always been in Cleveland, Mike, this sort of like team being held hostage by LeBron, right? And I think that you accurately pointed out that a lot of that had to do with him not necessarily being thrilled with playing for for Dan Gilbert, that that same dynamic doesn't exist here. But not having that kind of hanging over the Lakers' heads, I think provides a certain degree of like, we don't have to act in desperation on any individual move. And also probably speaks to a certain level of alignment that this is the plan. I think a lot of, we've talked about this before on the pod, like I think a a lot of the league's kind of held up by the KD and Donovan Mitchell situation. And there's not a lot that's going to happen until those things get resolved. Um, And LeBron, I think being on the same page with, okay, if this happens, then we're going to do that. If that happens, then we're going to do this. I think just really puts Lakers in a much stronger, even negotiating position in, in those discussions. For sure. The the question about what the roster is going to look like before the season, the trade deadline after the season, it really just does depend on the other factors that you just mentioned around the rest of the league and where some of these other players go. But mm-hmm. I think the point is that, the Lakers have probably, and LeBron and Rob Palenka, they have probably discussed 
different scenarios, right, as to mm-hmm. what. And I think that there is, like in any of these things, there is an optimal out, uh, output. But can the Lakers win a title by having maybe like the B or C option emerge, but not the A option? Maybe. Right. That's going to depend more upon Anthony Davis in some ways than it is upon what that B or C move might be. And it's also going to depend upon LeBron. And how is he approaching this? Well, I shouldn't say how he's approaching it. We know how he's approaching things with his body, right? Because he's doing the absolute maximum that you can do. But that doesn't guarantee something at this stage of one's career. And those those things, though, you can at least control to the best degree that you can. It's one of the reasons why. It's uh, you trust LeBron James and why franchises are fortunate to have him because, you know, he's going to maximize what he can. But what happens around him? I guess the way I would look at it is just that there. Can you make moves that are that are good and not mistakes that aren't going to hamper you um, as you try to get to the next stage? And how do you get to a point where your salaries are are being earned by everybody on the roster. And can that happen next year? Can it happen this year with a trade? I mean, those are the unknowns, but I don't, I think that I do think that there is, I would be surprised Pete to, to repeat something I've been saying often. I would be surprised if the roster to start the season is the same as it is after the trade deadline. Um, unless, unless a move is made before the season starts, um, in which case, sure. Like then, then of course you could, you could go, but yeah, I mean, that's um, that's certainly part of the whole concept. Leverage exists to the level in which other parties sort of succumb to the idea of how much leverage you actually have. Dr. Buss famously was like a poker player. And I think he understood at times, especially like I go back to the conversation that he must have had with Kobe Bryant when Kobe had requested his his trade. And then Dr. Buss had a calm sit down with Kobe and then they came to amends and it wasn't a trade wasn't going to work out. And here we are. But Dr. Buss understood, too, that it's like the leverage that Kobe was trying to exert, which was I have a no trade clause and the trade that I want to happen is the trade that you're going to make. And Dr. Buss then realized, well, you think you have the leverage because of that no trade clause. No, that actually gives me leverage because the trade that you're willing to accept is a trade that cannot be made. And so now I'm going to flip that leverage on you. And I am very interested then, Pete, because you mentioned that the Lakers can go into negotiations, potentially can go into negotiations with a clearer understanding of what the roster is going to be and that they can then live with the idea of like, well, we don't have to do anything now because we have our ducks in in a row with with LeBron and AD. And I could definitely see that. I could also see another team saying, well, you just signed LeBron James to an extension. And that extension tells me you have to win now. He's under contract for two more years, and that's your window. And so, hey, those draft picks that you have in 2027, two years after LeBron's contract expires, and the one in 2029, four years after his contract expires, those shouldn't mean anything to you. So leverage is a game, right? And and I'm very interested to see what stance the Lakers now take in negotiations potential deals that could improve the roster and whether or not they actually do feel more pressure to make a deal now. And if there is more artificial timelines of like, hey, LeBron likes to take the entire team to have a pre-training camp, should 
the team that is going to be in place for the start of the season should it actually be in place before that, right? Because mm-hmm. why not have the this whole— something I've been thinking about a lot, yeah. And, and so there, there are moving parts to this that I just find super interesting, and I won't pretend to know which direction the Lakers are going to go or what internal pressures they feel or what conversations were had between LeBron James and Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss and what understanding they all have about the situation. But— What I've always found throughout the history of following the league and then the Lakers specifically is that there's always stuff we don't know. And there's always conversations that's just like, oh, well, that's really the conversation. And we had no idea until well after the fact, which is also what makes like this legacy stuff interesting in terms of the TV show, right? Because like, oh, now you're starting to get more information about Magic Johnson talking about this, this, that, and the other with Dr. Buss or what locker room dynamics were like, which are things that you never would have known in the moment, right? And so there's all kinds of this stuff that I just find super fascinating. And I do wonder if there's an impetus now for the Lakers to move forward with a stronger hand and make the team what they want it to be sooner rather than later. I think that's the case uh, because when you were talking about the perspective of another team and that's in a negotiation with us right now, one of the things I've thought throughout this whole process is if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, oh, you want to you want to bring Russell Westbrook to camp? Let's see how that goes for you. There's going to be a pressure on you to not do that. That could go badly for you. And you've got LeBron James as a free agent at the end of this year. So you were talking about, oh, the Lakers have to win now because they've signed LeBron to this extension and that's kind of signals that well we're always trying to do that when you've got a guy like LeBron of course you're trying to win the title but what I would argue is that that takes a certain amount of the urgency off of the table that I think what's implied within that Mike is that you better win this year or you're facing a summer next season where LeBron James is a free agent and he might be gone altogether and you don't like you don't have much in the wake of that. And so I think it just puts us in a stronger place to to be like, well, whatever route that we choose to go down, there's not a version of this where LeBron walks at the end of the season. And so just in the context of these negotiations, I think that's important. So to just to try and contextualize the whole thing, like with LeBron and the contract and the deal and, and what it means moving forward. So the goal still remains that for the Lakers, very simple. It's the same thing that you'll hear at every press conference, whether it's Palenka speaking or Jeannie Buss speaking um, or LeBron. Like They, they want to find a way to win a title, um, and they want to do it as soon as possible. There's a little bit of a – the one trick in all of this is that the, the way that the draft compensation has played out and what the Lakers owe, which is not that much still, um, but to New Orleans and – um, some additional swap, some additional swaps and stuff like that. It's the two picks that keep getting talked about, the 27 and the 29. And I, I know there's a school of thought where, well, okay, well, now that LeBron is signed and he's got this one year and it's a player option, it's the same thing as Anthony Davis, like the Lakers have to do X, Y, Z. Um, they have to put those picks into to basically whatever the best available trade is at the time. And that to me is just too simple a way of looking at it. Like each deal, mm-hmm. each potential trade has to be looked at uniquely and specifically and there are some where the players involved the players that are being discussed might be worth those two picks Um, there are some where they're worth one pick you know and so I just I don't think that it changes because LeBron resigned and whether or not there's a player option or not and what is I think that you still have to from a 
from an ownership perspective, from a management perspective, um, have to look at each deal and think, does this does this trade give the Lakers the best chance to win a title or can one of these assets be kept? Because that's what's needed to make the final piece towards contention. And I just don't think it's it's a simple equation uh, either way. So I think that's 100% true from our perspective, from the Lakers' perspective. But what I'm saying is from the other team's perspective that's negotiating with the Lakers, if I'm them, I believe you a lot more now where you're like, no, we're fine holding on to picks. You know what I'm saying? Like there's Because otherwise I'm like, oh yeah, are you really willing to not have a great season this year and go into next offseason with LeBron as a free agent? That's off of the table now. And so that perspective, I believe you a lot more now, Mike, than I would have without LeBron extending. And I just think that that's a totally fair perspective. And it's why I'd love to be a fly on the wall for these negotiations and would have loved to have been before this extension announcement and then after as well to see if the tenor and tone of the discussion does in fact change. Um, I, I think my overall point is that I expect the Lakers to be aggressive in trying to improve their team and I expect them to be aggressive before the season starts. Because I think if you're going to try to win a championship, the best way to do that is to have your team intact before the season starts, before training camp starts, in order to build the most positive momentum moving forward with the group of guys you expect to be playing with Mm -hmm. in June. And that's just my perspective as someone who has followed a lot of NBA basketball over the course of my life. And I think that the people in those rooms likely have that same mentality but you know or at least i would hope that it would that's something i've wanted to talk to you guys uh, about in a pod is this idea is if the trade deadline is the actual like something will likely happen by then there's a lot of season that happens between now and then and the idea of building something i think you're spot on with that d is that you have to build a credible team from now until then regardless of what happens in that trade and so there's a uh, some some interesting conversations to be had on that but today we celebrate lebron extending uh just a great day in lakers history uh, congratulations to Powell. can't wait to talk more about him and to see his jersey rightfully go up and then lastly um rest in peace to pete Car- real great uh, basketball coach with Princeton for many, many years. He was an assistant coach in the NBA for the, the Kings and I think maybe one other stop, but one of the great kind of basketball men, Darius, uh, passed away at the age of 92. Just want to give him a shout out. Quick thing. One of the super major influencers in the NBA during like the 2000s, right? Like like there were a lot of guys who were Princeton offense dudes, corner mm-hmm. offense dudes, Rick Adelman, chief, chief among them. But Eddie Jordan was another disciple of that style of, of basketball who had a nice run with, with the Wizards and famously had a not as great a run with the Los Angeles Lakers at this, as an assistant coach <laughs> under Mike Brown. But yes. Rest in peace to Pete Carrill. He is from that generation of the text winners, of the influencers, of and of the evolution of the game, and, and just one of those great thinkers of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We will be back next week. Everybody have a great weekend. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good.
Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shaq with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.